What's up, hockey and sports fans? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Drop Up Puck Podcast. The latest news and information around the NHL with your hosts, Justin Starr and Pedro Rodriguez. Welcome to episode number six of the Drop the Puck Podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. First off, we have a huge episode, probably one of our longest episodes, but it's well worth it. We're going to, me and Pedro are going to start off with just a little basics, you know, talking expansion draft results, talking the trades that happened post-draft day, draft day, before draft day, and then we have a special interview. We talk a lot of Rangers hockey, which we both admit, so I decided to reach out to my buddy Terrence Mackin, a huge Islander fan, so figured I'd get him in, get him involved a little bit, so we talk some Islander hockey with him. Thank you for coming on, Terrence. We'll get into that a little bit later. And then we have a interview with Josh Califin from Blue Seat Blogs. If you watched the the draft, the NHL entry draft, this guy knows everyone. He is he's a genius. He he has all these analytics. He's a he's a big analytics guy. Have to give him props for what he does. He we it was it was a really cool interview because we can ask him about anyone and he knew everything about them. And he he, Pedro, what do you say about Josh? He knows his stuff. <laughs> That's yeah, for sure. He, he knows his stuff, and uh, you know it's going to be exciting to hear what he has to say about the prospects. And obviously, us Ranger fans, we would like to know how the Rangers drafted um, and. Go Not, from there and see who actually won the. And you know, from his perspective, I want to know who you know who won the draft and who didn't do so well. Yeah, so we'll find that out later. But uh, let's drop the puck and let's get into it. All right, expansion draft results. We did pretty well from our episode. We did yep. pretty well. I, I'm I'm gonna give us a little humble brag. Uh, there were something, some tra- uh some picks that obviously didn't go our way, which, you know. I don't like when you. I picked Savisa, but then you go with the Avalanche and you go with Calvin Picard, which I mean, not a bad pick, but he, they could have went elsewhere with that. And then there was one pick that really surprised me. I believe it was the. Uh, who was it? Actually, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Who would have thought that they would have picked Brendan Lepsick? A lot of the. Uh, some of these picks were interesting and you know we saw we both picked david Sh- uh Schlemko from mm-hmm. the san jose sharks and next day he's a montreal canadian yeah so you know it was a very interesting strategic move by george mcphee and the vegas golden knights and how they use some of these players as ultimately trade bait um and today we actually saw a very interesting one with mark Mathot, mark who Mathot, got traded yeah. to, to the dallas stars for a 20 20 second round pick and a prospect yeah, it was it was an interesting. It was fun. It was fun. It, it was fun. It was to fun watch. to watch. Yep. You know, it was, it was fun to watch. We obviously knew Mark Andre Fleury was going to be the guy from Pittsburgh, and it was nice to see he got a standing ovation from the crowd, which was which was awesome. And you know, it's it's going to be it's going to be fun to see Vegas play next season. But you know, they're going to be a young team, uh, a young team, and I'm a big fan of Jonathan Marshall, so big fan of how oh, we Vegas knew well we, we we kind of both knew that he was the pick right and there was obviously you know there was a side deal with Vegas and and Florida in that pick as well and yeah he's yeah they got Riley player. Smith yeah they did get they also got Riley Smith and you know Vegas Vegas is gonna be a good team to watch it's gonna be fun 
It will be fun. Uh, that's pretty much it about uh, the expansion draft. Everyone knows how it went. We we did we didn't do too bad with our guesses. Obviously, there were some wrong. There were some right. Like I don't think I had or, or you had Derek England from Calgary being no, moved. So there were just there was just some moves that obviously McPhee and his front office they have these moves in their head. They've already flip flopped, I believe, two. It was yeah, they flip flopped Mathot and Trevor Vanzrymstyke went to uh, Carolina. Trevor, yep, Trevor also yep. got traded. Um, yeah, and you know, Alexi Yemlin was also another guy I I found very shocking. It was, it was a mind boggle. Um, good defenseman. Uh, you, we kind of saw in the playoffs against the Rangers, he kind of slacked off a little bit. Um, I didn't think he was he was also hurt. Um, but the couple games he played in, I don't think he was that strong. Um, but yeah, he brings that better presence to the back end of Vegas. And like I said before, it's it's going to be fun to watch. So we are going to try to keep our segments short because the interviews are kind of long. So let's go on to the next topic. We have the draft day trades, but not just draft day because today we also had a trade. Mark Mathot, as we stated before. These were interesting. Me and Pedro were on our way to a job fair at Madison Square Garden, and the the floodgates for say they started opening. They opened. They opened. We were on the train. We had some some guys next to us actually talking hockey as yeah, well. They just ignored us the whole time. Well, you know, we didn't say anything either. But <laughs> yeah, so know, we didn't say I, anything just, either. They just kept looking at us, and I remember mentioning the Panarin trade, and the and the guy as soon as he heard me, he grabbed his phone, he went on Twitter, and he goes. He goes to his buddies. He's like, "Oh, Panarin just got traded." I'm like, "Yeah, I just said that." Yes, he could have talked to me and asked me about it, but that one was a shock to. Uh, it was it was a shock to me. But you know, listening to the anal- the analysis guys on you know NBCSN and during the draft and you know on NHL Network, Stan Bowman did say there would be a lot of changes after them being swept. Yeah, um, against the Nashville Predators, and but it was interesting to see such a young guy. Who won the Calder Trophy? Who's played so well with Artem Anisimov and and Patrick Kane, and he was a thirty goal scorer his mm-hmm. rookie season. And seeing him go to Columbus scares the living crap out of me. Being a Ranger fan with with everything, it's 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 scary. Yeah. So the actual trade was Panarin, uh, Mott, and a 2017 six round draft pick uh, in exchange for Saad. Forsberg, the goalie, who they actually did re-up, so he extended a contract, and a 2018 fifth-round pick. I think it's got to go to the Blue Jackets. You know, time will tell with this one. Right now, we think Columbus wins it because, you know, obviously Panarin, um, such a young guy, his contract is going to be interesting once once he signs a new deal. Um, But Brendan Saad is going back, obviously, to familiar territory. Um, you know, he's going back to Chicago where he won two Stanley Cups. He played extremely well with Jonathan Taves. I mean, he he followed Jonathan Taves around the locker room. You know, I heard this on the NHL Network, you know, to become a pro like Jonathan Taves. I mean, Jonathan Taves is an ultimate leader in this league. And Brennan Saad, you know, idolized how Jonathan Taves pre- uh, prepped for the game and, you know, uh, pre-game warm-ups and you know, what he would do before the game, after the game, whatever it may be. But Brendan Saad and Jonathan Taves had extremely well, they gelled extremely well on, on each other's line. And I, I 
can't wait to see Brandon Saw back in the in the Chicago uniform. You know, he's going back to uh, familiar territory, and you know, contract that was big in this. He has, mm-hmm. he still has, uh, I believe he has four years left at six million. Um, but Panarin, I believe, only has a year left and uh, two years on his on a six million dollar deal. But if Panarin scores thirty goals plus in the next two seasons, he's an extra more than six million. And Chicago is no way in that in that realm of being able to sign him, re-sign him. If, if How do you feel about that trade? I mean, there's there's a shutdown defenseman that the Blackhawks had that now the Coyotes ha- have a sneaky good defense. Right. Um, you know, Nicholas Jalmerson is is a good defenseman, and it would be hard for Chicago to keep a guy like that after they just re-upped Brent, uh, Brent Seabrook. Again, Chicago is one of those teams where they they have their core for so long, and it's their their money is packed on those four players. On the four players, I mean Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith, and Brent Seabrook. And you know they had to get rid of a guy, and Nicholas Jalmerson, I to me is a top four defenseman. Um, and you know, getting Connor Murphy and forward uh, Laurent Laurent Dolphin. There you go. I'm trying to sound like uh, Josh <laughs> Dolphin. Uh, so yeah, Arizona got stronger um, on defense, but they also got stronger down the middle. Yeah, and we all know where that came from with our beloved New York yeah, Rangers. Yeah, so so. Arizona and Chicago were arguably the busiest teams on draft day. And we were waiting. We were in the city. We were about to go eat. And I get a text message from my buddy Terrence, who you'll, you'll hear from later. We were on the line at Kmart. Yeah, well, yeah, we were on the line at Kmart. Yep, you were, yep you're right. And I got a text message from my buddy T-Mac, who you'll listen to later. And he said, there you go. The Rangers made a move. And I went to Pedro and I said, uh-oh. Did it actually happen? And I, 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 I went through Twitter. I, I scrolled through. I tried to get service, and there it was. The Rangers sent Derek Stepan and Auntie Ranta to the Arizona Coyotes for defenseman Anthony D'Angelo and, and the 2017 first-round pick, which was the seventh overall pick. Now, as a Ranger fan, I'm going to hold off complete judgment until after free agency because... Because of the deals, we opened up a lot of cap space, and I'm sure the roster isn't going to look like what it's looking like now. We are depleted at center. We are depleted still on de- defense. defense yeah. So I'm going to hold off all judgment, but the Coyotes did really well. They did. And, uh, you know, because I know Derek Sabon listens to this podcast. So, Shout out to know, Derek. Yeah. I think I speak to. From all Ranger fan perspectives, we'd like to thank Derek Stepan for all of his duties he did as a New York Ranger with all the playoff experience, with everything, just helping us to a Stanley Cup final, you know. We just want to thank you. And also with Auntie Ranta, you know, backstop the king for two seasons. Great player, great goaltender. He deserves that number one spot. I think he deserves to be a number one goaltender in this league. I agree. And I think we, I think we got a good, good return. Anthony D'Angelo, I think he's a good player. We'll see what he can do. Maybe he could play that. Maybe, maybe right-handed a, shot. Yeah, maybe a probably the bottom pair defense. Um, I can see him playing, and you know we got the seventh overall pick, which we picked Elias Anderson. So we'll see how that pans out. Maybe during development camp, see how he plays out. But uh, yeah, I think you know I think the Rangers 
I don't think they right now. I don't think they necessarily got better. I think Arizona got better, obviously, with the two additions. Right now, I don't think we got better. You know, we cleared cap space, so now we have twenty million in cap space. You know, if Kevin Klein decides to retire, it's gonna be twenty three million in cap space. So we go from having ten million to having twenty three million in cap space. Yeah, it's crazy. So you know, it was it was an interesting trade. You know, like you said, we wanted to do something. We were waiting very patiently. And they finally pulled the trigger. And so there was another deal on draft day. There was actually two worth mentioning that weren't just picks and swaps. Uh, the Blues acquired uh, forward Braden Shen from the Flyers for forward uh, Yuri Letera, uh, a 2017 first-round pick, which is the number 27th pick, and a conditional 2018 first-round pick. I, hey, yeah. Bra- I think Braden Shea is a great player. Yeah, Braden Shen. Yeah, I mean, he, he struggled a little bit in, in Philadelphia, um, but maybe he can turn it around. And Do you Lewis. think he was worth the package that he got? I mean, they got a f- another first-round pick for him. See, like, we'll get into it with uh, Josh, but, you know, this draft class was not strong. If this was another draft class of, like, last year and or even two years ago in 2015, that first round was stacked. In both in both years, and you know this year we didn't there wasn't that strong of a of a draft, so I don't think teams hesitated to trade away their first round picks this year. Um, I I thought the Rangers were going to trade at least one of their picks to, yeah, in a too. package deal, but nothing happened. Um, but I, I don't think it was a bad trade. I don't you know to me personally, I don't think Brandon Sh- uh, Brady uh, Brandon Shen is worth a first round pick in my opinion. Um, two first round picks, a conditional. Well, yeah, two thousand eighteen is a conditional pick. Um, but like I said, you know, the draft wasn't strong this year, so I don't think St. Louis hesitated. And he's a good player. I think he could, you know, he'll fit right in. Um, and they, there was actually word that Neil Yakupov would not get a, an offer from St. Louis. So mm-hmm. maybe Brandon Shen slides in there and fills in that gap. And now the, the blues weren't done there. We'll get more into this trade with Josh in our interview with Josh. Because he had some some things to say about it, so we'll just briefly touch up on it. The Penguins acquired forward Ryan Reeves, and a uh, and the 2000, uh, 2017 second round pick, which the which was the fifty first pick, uh, for um, Oscar Sundquist, and the the last pick in the first round. So we'll get into that with Josh a little later. Don't mess with Crosby or Malkin now. Yeah, Brian, big bad Brian Reeves is coming after you. Yep. And then um, another trade, big one that shocked the world after, well, not the world, but the hockey the hockey world got a little buzz the day after the uh, draft day. The Flames acquired defenseman Travis Hamannick from the Islanders and a conditional fourth-round pick for the 2018 first-round pick and a 2018 second-round pick and a conditional second-round pick. We will get into that with our Islander fanatic friend, Terrence Mackin, so we won't dive into that. And other than that, there was just really a lot of flip-flopping, you know, with trades. And then today we had uh, Mark Mathot get sent from the Vegas Golden Knights. That was one hell of a stint he had with the Golden Knights, huh? He's going to he's gonna go down and, as a legend. He was undefeated in Vegas. Legend. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm waiting for the... Uh, the jersey to him. be uh, to be lifted into the Raptors. Him. Schlemko. Him, TBR. Schlemko. Oh, great, great, great Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> so they uh, end up getting a goalie, Dylan Ferguson, and a 2020 second-round pick. So we'll get all into that, but uh, we're going to go right into our interview with Terrence Mackin. Like I said before, one of my best friends, long-time 
Islander fan, me and him always talk Rangers Islanders. I think he's one of the only guys, well, one of the only Islander fans that I really can have a civil com- conversation with. Uh, we're, we're, we both meet on that mutual ground. Uh, so we're going to get into that interview. It'll dive right into our interview with Josh uh, Califin. Uh, and after that, you'll hear back from us and we'll discuss what's going to go on next week. Free agency opens up. So enjoy, guys. So now we are doing a special segment with my buddy Terrence Mackin. Terrence, you want to say hello to the people? What's going on, everybody? Thanks for having me on. No, no problem. Uh, you know, we are big Ranger fans, so we talk a lot of Ranger hockey. So I wanted to tilt the ice, bring on a diehard Islander fan. So here he is, live from Massachusetts. So, Terrence, let's get started. Bring uh, a little sensibility to the podcast. <laughs> There it is already. Love it. All right, so let's get into the offseason. The Islanders, actually Islanders Twitter in general, me and you, we went back and forth. Islanders Twitter, before the list was, you know, introduced, Islanders Twitter was in a pickle because of Arthur Staple. Like, what the (laughs) The revised stories... I don't know what this says about my like social life right now, but that was the most fun I've had in months. <laughs> Following the initial story that Arthur Staple put out there, uh, saying that it was going to be Nikolai Kuhlman being selected, and then within three minutes, he says, hold on, I actually have to change the story. It's going to be completely different. And then he goes radio silent for 45 minutes. No it, one knew was what was going sense. on. He puts out a third story and says, whoops, hold on, I have to correct it one more time. And if anyone deserves, you know, a a loose leash, it's Arthur Staple because I take his word as gospel. Everything he says is usually spot on. And in the most uncertain time in really NHL history because the expansion drafts and everything, but certainly Islander history with expansion, free agency, Tavares, Arena, so much uncertainty, and he decides to take us all for a wild ride right before the expansion draft. It, it was a ton of fun watching everybody freak out about it. So the deal ended up being the Vegas Golden Knights acquired uh, Grabowski, which good for you guys getting him off the team. Uh, yeah. defenseman, uh, defenseman Jake Bishop, a 2017 first-round pick, the 2019 second-round pick, and uh, pretty much for the future considerations. Uh, so, you know... I right there. I thought hats off to Garth Snow. I thought he did a really good job protecting the players he wanted to protect. How do you feel about that move? I loved the whole thing. It, it was interesting seeing all the different perspectives on it because I agree with a lot of things. The people that were on, I think it was uh, NBCSN for the expansion draft and the awards, they were saying we gave up a lot, which I understand. A first and a second, it was a lot to give up. But if you think about it. The first is basically to take Grabowski, who, I mean, you forget he's even on the roster. He hasn't really played the last two years. So automatically you lose him and the $5 million for the cap space. And then the second round pick, you could say it was to take uh, J.F. Barube, who was going to leave us oh, anyway yeah. because, of, um, because of some weird rule that he didn't play enough games as a goalie. He becomes a UFA even though he should be an RFA because of his age. Interesting. And with the... With the disaster that we put him through the last two years, he wasn't going to sign with us anyway. So we basically lost no players and just you know two draft picks. So while every other team was losing guys, our roster stayed intact. I thought it was a great move. And 
as we saw then, you know, days later, it wasn't that we were protecting our guys because the Islanders are so great and we're constant cup contenders. We were protecting guys because we were going to use them in trades for guys like Jordan Eberle and hopefully eventually a second-line center. It's not that Garth Snow said, our team is so great, we're so close to winning the cup that we have to keep everybody. He was using it. He always uses the term currency. He views players and draft picks as currency. So Ryan Strom was currency to him. He couldn't lose currency to Vegas for nothing, so he gave up a draft pick to hold on to him and used that, like I said, currency to go get Jordan Everly. And you had to think Vegas was going to play hardball because if they, they would have selected Brock Nelson if the Islanders didn't protect any, you know, they had to protect that guy. He was a 25-30 goal scorer, so he had to be the one being protected, and the Islanders had to give up a lot. Vegas was going to play hardball. They're going to ask for draft picks. They want to get younger. They have, like, three draft picks in 2020, which I don't understand the logic behind that. But whatever. <laughs> uh, so they had to play hardball. So And the Islanders were a team that, you know, Vegas was very interested in. The Islanders let a lot, a lot of young out. Players. Yeah, and I honestly think they play hardball because of Brock Nelson. It's like a Jonathan Marchessault situation with Florida. Jonathan Marchessault was – he's young. He scored 30 goals in a season. So I would like to have two 30-goal scorers on my team, but – you know, the Islanders, like I said, play hardball, and they had to give up a lot. Yeah, th- there were two things I took away from that. One, um, it's interesting that the Islanders seem to be in, like, the worst position out of almost any team. You look at the Ducks, the Wild, and the Islanders. You know, two of the teams out west are two teams that are contending for a cup. We didn't even make the playoffs, yet we were in somehow in some terrible spot where all of our players weren't really young enough to be protected or automatically protected besides guys like Barzal and... Uh, Beauvillier and Hosang. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that a team that clearly has enough players on the roster that need to be protected wasn't even good enough to make the playoffs. So yeah, Brock Nelson, Calvin DeHaan, Strom, um, yeah, guys like that, it's we ended up having as became a huge deal protecting the five defensemen because we have guys like Pulak who just barely, even though he hasn't seen a lot of time in the NHL, also had to be protected. So mm-hmm. it, it was interesting that we got stuck in such a pickle, even though Apparently, we're not good enough to make the playoffs. So, yeah, I agree. That The other thing I took away, though, was Vegas could have had a, a much better roster. T- to pass on Brock Nelson is, I don't know, the, taking all those future second-round picks, I, it's smart and good for George McPhee for being patient, but I don't know. If I'm starting a new franchise and you're in Las Vegas, I, I would have wanted to put it together a much better roster, and I, I think they could have. They left a lot of quality players uh, still on the board at that expansion draft. Yeah, when I think about it, I think about Sammy Votnin. How can you let a guy like Sammy Votnin? Dude, there's names all yeah. over the board right. where it, I. And, and then you see they have Mark Mathot and they trade him for a 2020. 2020 second. Second. As far as I'm concerned, 2020 might as well be the year 3000. Like, there's no way we're ever getting to the year 2020. So that draft pick was is basically useless. All right. So then the Islander fans were being, you know, taunted with Duchesne and Eberle, and then they finally made the splash. They acquired Jordan Eberle from the Edmonton Oilers in exchange for the guy who was, you know, didn't get picked by Vegas, Ryan Strom. I personally love the deal for the Islanders. I don't know what Garth Snow has on Chiarelli, but he has something on him, and I swear it's a conspiracy theory because he fleeces... Chiarelli in almost any deal they make together. 
when when you add it all up, the last three deals they've made, uh, now I'm trying to think of this on the fly, I think overall it is Ryan Strom, Griffin Reinhardt, and two seconds for Johnny Boychuk, Matthew Barzal, Jordan Eberle, and Anthony Beauvillier. It's... <laughs> yeah, so uh, I don't know what's going on there. And then... You know, you see the way the Edmonton fans react, and they were pretty mad that it was a one-for-one, as they should be. But they also have a a lot of hate for Jordan Eberle, so they weren't too upset. But then I think it was the next day, all that cap space was used to re-sign Chris Russell. Yeah, Chris Russell. Yeah, horrible. Yeah, so they were like kind of telling themselves, okay, it was only a one-for-one, but if you really think about it, it was we got Ryan Stroman cap space. But then they went out and spent that cap space on Chris Russell, and their fan base is pissed off. Uh, rightfully so, in my yeah. eyes. No, absolutely. And, and another thing, not that, of course, where Islander fans are becoming a little obsessed with the whole John Tavares saga, but Jordan Eberle is a good friend, childhood friend with John Tavares, so if that plays a role. Hopefully. I, I, d- I doubt Gar Snow is sitting there going through John Tavares' Facebook friends list and saying, <laughs> who should we get? But No, it's MySpace, bro. Top eight. MySpace, that's right, yeah. Well, I mean, he's also traded, I think John Tavares is like, so far, his best friends, as far as I know, not that we hang out, are like Matt Molson, Kyle Oposo, and Travis Hamnick. So I don't think Garth is really too concerned about that, but you never know. It might have played a factor. You know, I, I don't want to count out the Oilers on this trade. I think I think um, Ryan Strom will be a good player in this league. I really do. I think he's a quality player. I think he just struggled on the Islanders. I think he just needed a fresh start. Um, we see that with former first-round pick from the Edmonton Oilers, Neil Yakupov, when he got traded to St. Louis. I think he just needed a fresh start, even though he didn't perform the way he wanted to perform. But uh, I think I think Strom's going to be a great player in this league. I don't think we should count him out now. Right For right now, I think the Islanders won this trade, no doubt. I think Jordan Eberle could be a 30-goal scorer with the Islanders, especially playing on the wing with John Tavares. John, I think it's yeah. unbelievable. So I totally agree, but as the pessimistic Islander fan, I'm just sitting there thinking... On July 1st last year, I was sitting there going, oh, my God, Andrew Ladd is going to put up 70 goals next to John Tavares. And then he basically had, like, two goals until New Year's. So uh, I'm very happy with the trade, but I want to see it on the ice first, although they already do have chemistry. I think this is a little overblown. They keep talking about the World Junior Championships when they played together. and they, they were, like, 18? Yeah, they were, like, 18, so it was already years ago. The numbers they put up, though, I think it was something silly. I thought I heard it on NHL Network. I think it was combined. They put up like 26 points in five games. It was something crazy. But like I said, that was almost a decade ago. So I'm not going to bank on that. Um, but, Pedro, what you were saying about Ryan Strom, I, I couldn't agree more. I think he's going to be just fine. When he first – his first year with the Islanders, he put up 50 points. Yeah. And, and he got constantly switched back and forth between center and wing – and he never got comfortable. And he, he's a naturally skilled guy. And Jack Capuano was constantly saying, oh, you have great hands and, you know, you're a playmaker. Okay, go uh, forecheck and dig pucks out of the corner. And he just got totally thrown off his game. So I think a fresh start is going to be perfect wonders? for him. I, I, I think he's going to be just fine. But I agree. For right now, the Islanders definitely got the better end. Because we we can't wait anymore for Ryan Strom. Even though he's right there, he's on the cusp, we can't wait anymore for him to develop. Like, mm-hmm. It, it, it's showtime for the Islanders. It, it, we got to put up or shut up at this point. So I'd rather have a guy like Eberly who's in his prime ready to go than Strom who maybe he develops into more than Eberly, but he's not there yet. And, and Eberly's coming off his worst year. Still, his worst year 
was still, I think, 51 50, points. Yeah, yeah it was, it was yeah. 51 points. Strom's highest was 50. So if Eberle's worst year is better than Strom's best, it's a win. I think we won this so far. I, you can't forget, Strom's going to play alongside a guy named Connor McDavid. So we should yeah. keep an eye out on that, too. Yeah, well, uh, the fact that they are adding another top five pick to that group, I'm just glad they're out west. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now, this is the this is the trade that I'm very curious to hear your perspective on because I I don't think we actually touched up on this much. The Calgary Flames acquired defenseman Travis Havanick and the uh, conditional fourth round pick from the Islanders uh, for the 2018 first round pick, 2018 second round pick, and a conditional second round pick. So Travis Hamanick, the Travis Hamanick saga is now in Calgary. What's I have, your take? Because I know I know that Islander fans were upset with the whole demanding a trade, and then he took back his demanding of a trade. And I I want to hear. Yeah, let me hear. I, I have I have so many thoughts on this. So the first part was if you really want to rewind it that far, the demanding of a trade that was tough to take from a guy who was homegrown, who was so talented, who everyone fell in love with during uh, our Pittsburgh series a few years ago where he just abused Evgeny Malkin for six games. Um, To then hear that was tough to take, but then the reports started coming out that it was something to do with his family, and he needed to be closer to the Winnipeg area where he grew up. So you try and give him a little bit of leeway with that because at the end of the day, they are still people. And and Travis, more than anybody – when you hear about all those stories and all, all the things he does with his foundation, where you're like, all right, this guy, he's obviously a family man and cares. If he needs to be closer to home, so be it. And then on clean-out day, at the end of that season, they say the trade request is rescinded. He doesn't want to leave. And now here we are a year later. So I, I think the speculation was probably maybe Garth went up to Travis or maybe Travis went up to Garth and said, I, I realize this is going to be difficult. I put the Islanders in a tough spot by publicly, although he did not want the trade request to become public. Yeah. But since it became public, the Islanders are in a bad spot. I'm going to publicly rescind it, and that will put the Islanders in a better spot. So wh- when you look back now at what they got for it, uh, Justin, I was talking to you. I laughed out loud when I heard he wanted two first-round picks for Travis Howard. Oh, yeah. That, all the goodwill that Garth built up from – the expansion draft, which I thought he did a great job. The Eberle trade, I thought he did a good job. Mm-hmm. To then go and say and push your luck, I want two first-round picks for Travis Hamnick, was preposterous. What he ended up getting, that even surprised me. A first and two seconds, I did not expect that. So, again, I would say now, hats off to Now, would you, would you have rather, you know, the first-round pick, maybe a third-round pick, and a player that can, you know, potentially – fill a role on the opening night roster or are you happy with the picks it's such a mixed message to send oh we have to go get jordan everly we can't wait for strong we have to go get a, a top six forward we have to tell john Tavares that we're a contender now so he can stay and then say oh our heart and soul defender even though he's not like a top pairing guy oh we're gonna go send him off for future picks that's what i'm it, saying it's such a mixed message but i'm not gonna view that deal in a vacuum and say Oh, he traded Travis Hamnick for futures. I'm, I'm just waiting. It's going to be any day now. There's going to be another trade. So I don't think Garth is sitting there going, "Oh, I improved the team enough with Everly." Because if you look at 
what had happened. Even though I feel like Garth has won the last week, all that really happened was Jordan Eberle for Ryan Strong and losing Travis Hammond. Yeah, yeah. I, I personally think right this second we're a worse team than we were a week ago. I could say the same about the Rangers. No doubt about that. But <laughs> both teams are going to certainly do a lot next week. Right now we're worse. I have to think Garth is making moves right now with those picks. He he was sitting there saying, no one wants Travis Hamnick for the stud that I'm looking for. I'm going to go get Futures, and then maybe he throws in another prospect with those picks to get somebody. I'm not saying the big name that everyone's saying, Matt Duchesne. Duchesne. You know, I, I think because Hamnick wanted to be home near the Winnipeg area, I think yeah. that stopped the trade to Colorado for Matt Duchesne. I think Garth Snow wanted to give him his wish to go back to to Canada, back to Western Canada, and I think I truly think that stopped the trade between the Islanders and the Avalanche. I think that was a big part of it, and I think Travis Hamonic, a first, definitely a first round pick, and a prospect to Colorado would have gotten that deal done. But I think Travis Hamonic just really wanted to go home. I think he definitely wanted to go home, and I agree that it probably played a factor because you hear the. The two, the three teams that were really involved, really four if you want to throw the Lightning, it was the Avalanche, Lightning, Maple Leafs, and Flames. Mm-hmm. When you look at those rosters, you say, oh, the team who really has nothing to offer us is the Flames. So there was speculation, obviously, Duchesne. There was the JBR speculation. Mm-hmm. Possibly Tyler Johnson and Andre Pilat, who were the two RFAs down in Tampa, Tampa. and he yep. ended up in Calgary. And then immediately after that, Travis Hamnick is saying Gar Snow is the most loyal man he's ever met. So you're sitting there thinking... All right, clearly they had a deal in place to get him closer to the Winnipeg area. Um, For the trade offer that you were saying, Travis Hamnick and the first and a prospect, apparently the Islanders throughout the last few months have offered some big-time packages, and Joe Sackick's just balking at all of it. Someone even said, and there's no way to prove this, but someone was saying at one point that it was Barzal, Pulak, and a first. And he still said no? And they still said no. That I, I don't know. what Do they want Tavares too? Uh, wh- why stop there? Take Tavares and Letty. Like, uh, if, if you're not going to take that package, I don't know what you're looking for. Because uh, only teams that feel like they're on the verge are going to be going for Duchesne. So they're not going to give away star players. They're going to have to give away prospects. Mm-hmm. So if you're not going to take our two biggest prospects who, uh, l- let's just face it, every team overrates their own prospects. Yeah. But I'm in the Massachusetts area right now, which is hockey crazy. There are people I work with who are like, oh, I, I, I can't – what's the deal with Ryan Pulak? Why isn't he up yet? Because obviously everyone around here is into hockey. So yeah. they – and they say like, Ryan Pulak, he's the guy with the slap shot, right? How come he's not on the team? That Matt Barzal guy, I thought he started on the – I started, thought he started the season on the roster. Where is he? So even people up here who aren't Islander fans know some of our prospects, and that wasn't enough for Joe Sack. He doesn't know them, but the random people in Massachusetts know them. So I don't know what the deal was with that. So after the trades were all said and done, I think advantage Garth Snow, 100%. Oh, that's just my opinion. But then we go into the the draft, and I'm not going to act like I'm that hockey prospect buff. I am not. I'm. We will have a guy later on the show who is. Josh is tremendous with the prospects. We're going to have him on the show after Terrence. Uh, but... One one name did stand out to me, and I texted Terrence right after it happened. In the fifth round, you guys drafted Sebastian Ajo. He's a defenseman. I wanted the Rangers to take him, and they they bluffed up. 
I don't know what they did, but they didn't pick Ajo. And in my opinion, if I know someone in the fifth round, that's a steal. Because I only know, you know, I, I know the, the, the main guys. And when you get into the fifth round and you see a name like Ajo pop up, who, I can, who I've drafted in NHL 17 in like the first round, that's when you know the guy's legit. So that, that's my hot take. You guys got a very good player in Ajo, and I will make sure to ask Josh about Ajo because that's how confident I am in that he's going to be a great player. As a lifelong Islander fan, I am very familiar with the NHL entry draft and also the disappointment that comes with it. This was the first year that I was like, I was already resigned to the fact that there was no way we were keeping that pick. So I really didn't know any prospects coming in. It was all just waiting for some sort of trade, whether it was Duchesne or whether it was Barzal leaving or it ended up being Hamannick. And once the Hamnick trade happened, I, I turned off NHL Network. I'm like, I got to get away. I've been refreshing my phone for like 72 hours. I got to get away from this. And then I get the Arthur Staple notification on the phone. Islanders draft Sebastian Ajo. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? How did we get that guy? That's what He's I'm saying. Right. <laughs> so uh, I'm sitting there thinking, how did that guy end up going in the fifth round? And I thought, you know, Arthur Staple's just messing with us again. But I was, uh, it, I was pissed. It was different having the uh, the Ranger fan perspective on the draft, where it's just like, we don't have a first-round pick. I don't really care what's going on. The, the, we ended up drafting some guy in the second round, Robin Sallow, who, like... Is he related to Tommy? I, I don't believe so. And, uh, again, I, I'm not going to pretend like I know yeah. this guy. Some 18-year-old kid in, playing in, I think, Sweden. And someone, some expert from Europe even said, oh, the Islanders got a steal in this. And usually, Islander fans, like every fan, but maybe... Mostly Islander fans, we overrate our prospects because, let's face it, that's really all we have to cling on to a lot of the times. And even we were like, really? Like, this guy, the guy who dropped to 46, that's the guy who's going to save us? He's going to replace Travis Hamnick? Yeah, yeah, right. Get out of here. So it, it was nice not living and dying with every single pick this year. Yeah, you guys went three defensemen and two left wings. Yeah. So it was it was interesting. Uh, next question. Well, do you have... Pedro, do you have anything to input on the draft? I, like I said, I'm not a big. Once I heard Sebastian Ajo yeah. in the fifth round, I was like, "Wow, I guess I know my prospects," but I really <laughs> don't. Uh, yeah. So you know what, Terrence, where do you see the Islanders going free agency? It's on Saturday, it's on so we have free agency coming up. You guys have about, I think, a little under ten million in cap. Yep. So you guys have a little under ten. Where do you see them going? And are you guys a playoff team next year? Uh, the first question, I don't think we can do much of anything. We have uh, a little under $10 million, but we have to re-sign Calvin DeHaan at this point. We trade Travis yeah. Hamnick. You have to re-sign DeHaan, who's an RFA. I'm assuming he'll get somewhere between four and five, probably four and a half. So that knocks us down to about $5 million, and we're all waiting for that next move to be made to get our second line center. So we can't afford really to do much of anything in free agency. We also have a small village already signed at forward. So I, I think if we have to assume Barzal is going to come up and Dalcole will stay in Bridgeport probably. So we have like 15 forwards already under contract at the NHL level. I'll, trust me, a lot of them are expendable. I, I love Shane Prince. If he needs go. to go down or get moved – so be it. Alan Quine, thank you for that double overtime winner against the Panthers, but you can go also. We, we have too many bottom six forwards at this point. Mm -hmm. 
So some of them are going to have to go, especially if we do bring in that second line center. So uh, I, to answer your question, I don't think we can do much of anything in free agency. It has to be Dahan. It has to be whatever trade. And at that point, we are all out of money. Now, Scott Mayfield, do you think he's going to be on the opening night roster? Uh, he'll probably be the seventh guy, although apparently I don't understand how Gar Snow values his defenseman because I, I understand he had deals in place with George McPhee, but to protect Adam Pellick over Calvin Hahn, yeah, it's a little he, he certainly views the defense different than, than I do. So even if something was in place, why not protect Hahn and use your pick to to save Pellick from George McPhee? So... I would say Scott Mayfield would be the seventh defenseman, but I, I don't know uh, what Garsnow thinks because we already have Letty, Letty, Boychuk, Dahan, Seidenberg, Hickey, Pellick. That's your six. Mm-hmm. Mayfield's probably the seven. Eventually, we have. Um, I, I don't know how high he projects, but this guy Devin Tays apparently is the real deal that we have in Bridgeport right now. He, uh, I think, he broke like the speed skating record for the, in AHL history, and he's a defenseman. Really? So, I mean, if we add, like, another Nick Letty to our mix, I don't think he's going to start uh, opening night with the Islanders, but maybe by, by January, after maybe the All-Star break even, he comes up, all of a sudden we have eight defensemen that, that can play. We, I mean, really the only stud is Letty, but that's a pretty solid group that we have. Now, do you see the Islanders, even though they have – 10 million in caps, just like we were talking about. And if they were signed to Han, probably about six, five and a half left. Yeah. Do they make a run at Kevin Shattenkirk? I pick up the phone, make a call, but I, I don't see it. And trust me, not that we don't want him. We'd love to have him, but we just don't have the cash right now. Next year, if he was a UFA next year, I think we have something like a projected $38 million in cap space next year. Garth made it so that everyone's contracts come off the books when JT does. Yeah, but, I'm looking at uh, capfriendly.com right now. You have Tavares yeah. off the books, Pullman off the books, Bailey. Nelson is a restricted. Chimera is unrestricted. Shane Quine restricted. Seidenberg, Mayfield, unrestricted. And Halak. <laughs> and Halak, yeah. So we need a whole new team next year. So... If uh, if he was a UFA next year, I'd say give it a shot. But I, it obviously he sounds like he wants to go to the Rangers. I I'm starting to think the Rangers might be losing a little bit of interest. Yeah, no, it's been told that they don't want to give him the deal. He's looking for six or seven years. Rangers yeah. learned their lesson. Hopefully, you know, I'm gonna be honest. After the Derek Stepan trade and seeing that we have 20 million in cap space, I truly think Jeff Gordon is going to make a run at Kevin Shattenkirk. I honestly oh, yeah. think he's going to put – I really do believe he's going to put all his money in him. I'm, a, I'm afraid of what he's about to offer Kevin Shattenkirk. Because ah. the the Rangers are in need of a right-hand defenseman. I know he's not a top-pair defenseman to be partnered with Ryan McDonough. I don't think he's that solid in the defensive zone. I think he turns the puck over way too much. Um, but we need a quarterback on that power play, and I, I think Kevin Shattenkirk is that guy, and Jeff Gordon wants to fix it, and I think the Rangers are going to offer from probably $6 million a year over the course of six years. I think they'll they'll probably make a run at him, and also just because everything seems to work out for you guys in free agency, if the Islanders were going to get him, it would cost us probably seven and a half. You guys will get him for six for like four years, and we'll watch him rip slap shots from the point while Kreider bangs him home, and I'll get all pissed off. Uh, but Another question. Continue. The, the $20 million in cap space that you guys have, I, I was looking at that. 
when you think about what is Zabinajad going to get, like five? Well, it, dude, they don't even know if they're going to give him a long term or short term right now. Which yeah, is I saw stupid. that. It's stupid. Just give him a long-term contract. You're looking at him as he's – I think he's personally going to replace Stepan. He's going to be the number one center in when, New York. When your head coach comes out and says, Mika Savanajak could be our number one center, you have to all, you have to offer him a long-term deal. And you're saying Kevin Hayes is our second, it's not uh, second like line that. defense? That scares me, yeah. to be honest with you. I don't think he's a second-line center. I think he's more of a third-line center. But this is the, supposed to be about the Islanders, so – Well, no, I, I, I want to get into this because – I was thinking about it because those two comments he made where he was like, we're not sure if it's going to be long-term or short-term. Okay, well, that's a little strange. And then he goes, I feel comfortable, or whatever he said, comfortable with Zabinijad and Hayes as centers. Yeah, Dude, for, for a guy who just lost Oscar Lindbergh, who I I mean, I, I kind of liked, especially as a fourth-liner. I, I don't think he's a fourth-liner. He's probably a third-liner. And then to lose Stepan, I don't think that's what your fans want to hear, dude. Now then... He does use a seventh overall pick to go. I, I believe the guy was center, right? Um, from Sweden. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Leah Sanderson. Yep. Yeah, so he he tried to fill the role there, but to make that comment after getting rid of a fan favorite was a, a little bizarre. And Justin and I were joking that the trade that actually made the most sense was between us. <laughs> yeah, you guys need a right-handed defenseman who is also has a great contract. Here's Travis Hamnick. We'll take our second line center and Derek Stepan. We'll see you in the playoffs. But that, that obviously could never, never possibly happen. Hmm? It was never going to happen. No, it, it couldn't happen. So but um, you guys need another center, as do we. Do you guys see yourself potentially making a run at a Joe Thornton in free agency? Because Joe Thornton's a big name out there. Just came off ACL and MCL surgery. He's old. <laughs> but <laughs> I, think, I think the favorite landing spot is he goes back to San Jose. But apparently a bunch of teams, I think uh, McKenzie, or it was uh, LeBron, they, one of them tweeted out today that Thornton Camp is getting a bunch of calls. But apparently Thornton, he's not going to travel anywhere. He's just going to make his decision there. And he wants, I think it was three or four years? He wants a three-year three deal. Three-year deal. I think that's a little too much for him. But he could be a perfect <laughs> stopgap for either team at the center position. Yeah, I mean, he would be a perfect fit for us, but we're the type of destination where he wants three years, we'd have to give him four. So it's like the whole Brian Boyle thing where, thank goodness Brian Boyle said no to us for four years and went to you guys for two, otherwise we would have never got Letty and Boychuk. We're we're the type of place where we have to kind of sweeten the pot with contracts. So, for, so if you guys want Shattenkirk and Thornton, you'll get both of them for one less year and one less million and we have to try and make trades for guys who are under contract, like Everly for two more, Duchesne for two more. Um, again, I don't know if this rumor is true, but when we were looking to move Hamannick, JVR in a first was kind of the talk. Do, do you get a quality defenseman under contract for, I think, four more years at 3.8? You, yeah. you give us a good winger. I think the holdup was JVR when he was put on the spot didn't want to, I think it was either waive the no trade or sign an extension. So Garth Snow says, you know, we're not going to give up all that for a guy who's going to leave us next July. So we're not really the place that we can just bank on people wanting to come here. With that said, the people who do end up playing here do tend to love it. We do end up, we have a good record of keeping people once they stay. Um, but just getting people who have never been here before, you know, it's hard to sell them. 
But then once they're here and you can say, hey, look how great Long Island is. You're this close to New York City. It's not a crazy market like Toronto and Montreal. They tend to love it. But, you know, we're, we're not the place where people are lining up. Oh, I, I can't wait for Gar Snow to call. It doesn't work that way for us. If there's one guy I think that could fit perfect with the Islanders, I hope he becomes a Ranger. But I think it would be a great fit for the Islanders is Nick Benino. I think Nick Benino would be a great center for the Islanders. I, I think, think that would be Sam, uh, Sam Gagne, too. Uh, Nick is 29 years old. I think he's just a younger guy. Sam Gagne, I think he's a little, I believe he's in his mid-30s. But I think Nick Benino could be a good third-line center for the Islanders. And, you know, he, you see him with Pittsburgh. He's already a three-time Stanley Cup champion. So I think it would be a good fit for the Islanders, bring that veteran presence. I couldn't agree more. I, I would love to have a guy like Benino. Our weird situation is if you were to put our roster up, we have, like, Every position filled, just not with the type of quality we want. So I'm in my head. You said third line center, and I'm like, oh, we have Anthony Beauvillier. But I mean, damn, I would like to have Nick Benino more than Anthony Beauvillier. In my head, I'm thinking second line center. Oh, that that's Matthew Barzal's spot in a few years. But you know what? If if we really want to be taken seriously, maybe you got to move guys like that. Move Barzal. I know that's the sticking point right now with the Duchesne trade. Matthew Barzal. I'm tired of waiting for our prospects to pan out. I'm waiting for Matthew Barzal to maybe be 80% of Matt Duchesne. But pull that trigger now, man. I'll take Matt Duchesne now. <laughs> and if he wants to leave me in two years, so be it. I'm used to it. Now, what a guy like Alex Galchenyuk. Do you think the Islanders can make a trade with Montreal to get a guy like Galchenyuk? I, I would love Galchenyuk. I think the the problem is they want – they're clearly in a mode where they want to make moves and win now, and they want defensemen. We can't afford to give up any more defensemen. No, yeah. right. So if they want – Calvin DeHaan, I mean, what's our defense going to look at that point? It's going to be a second pairing of Seidenberg and Hickey? No thanks. We'll be in the lottery next year. Yeah. All right, so last question. In the tough, tough Metropolitan Division, which is just, it's a monster. It really is. The Blue Jackets just got Panarin. It, it, it's crazy. The Flyers and the Devils are, you know, coming up. I think sneaky Carolina Hurricanes, I believe um, our boy Woj said it, on episode four, but they they could potentially be a sneaky team uh, improving. Where yeah. do you see the Islanders at the end of next season? All right, so as a Islander, Jet, and Nick fan, I have to believe they're going to make the playoffs next year. So the, they got to squeak in at the um, at the wild card spot because I mean, Capitals and Rangers, uh, Capitals and Penguins obviously are the beasts. Mm -hmm. Blue Jackets are up and coming. You guys are always there. I think, what is it, 10 out of 11 years you made the playoffs? 11 out of 12. 11 out of 12? Okay, yep. sorry for jipping you on that one. Um, <laughs> but, a, but as of right now, Don't with, rub it in. with no, um, with like half your defense left and half your centers just left, I'm going to have to reserve a little bit of judgment to see what you guys do the next few weeks. I, I still think we'll, I hope we'll squeak in. Here's the thing that worries me. I'm, like, waiting by my phone every single day hoping that we get Galchenyuk or Duchesne or some stud second-line center. No matter what we get, it doesn't equal Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. So, oh, yeah, we have John Tavares and Matt Duchesne. That's still not those two. So it, it feels like we're just spinning our wheels. No matter what we do, we have to go through that monster to, uh, to get to the eventual goal that is just, to me, so far away. I can't even get there in my wildest dreams, win the Stanley Cup. But as excited as I am for what's going to happen, it's not Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. So uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think we'll make the playoffs, but not getting through that Metro division. 
Yeah, the, like I said, the Metro is really tough. And I'm waiting to see, like you said, you're waiting for the next move. I think Ranger fans are also waiting to see, you know, I'm not going to reserve any judgment on Step. I'm going to miss Step on. Ronto was a great backup, but I'm waiting to see how this pans out. I'm not, right now, I think we potentially lose the deal, but I'm all aboard the Elias Anderson train after his uh, interview today. Totally spin zoning myself into this dude being the next, you know, Wayne Gretzky or some shit like that. But that's just me right now. So well, yeah, and with with Stepan, it's I probably shouldn't say this too much as an Island fan. I, I loved him watching him play. I, I watch as many Ranger games as I can too. It's more of a, a hate watch thing, but I, I watch as many games as I can. Love the guy. Four years left at six and a half. Was that the contract? Yeah, it, it, it was rough. He, you don't give that to guys who uh, as much flack as Andrew Ladd got this year. Andrew Ladd, I think, scored like seven more goals, has less years and one million less, and everyone gives him a hard time for not performing. Yeah, uh, I don't know. He disappeared this last, you know, off season. So yeah, and, and with that said, he does other things too. So it's not fair for me to just oh, Andrew Ladd scored more goals, you suck. That's not fair. But I, I think losing that contract for a team that is not afraid to spend the money. I wouldn't lose too much sleep over that because you, you guys are going to fill that hole. Right now it's a gaping hole, huge yeah. hole oh, for yeah. you guys to fill, but it will get filled by like Independence Day. So you guys don't have to worry about that. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we are almost at the 40-minute mark with you. Jeez. All right. Yeah. So uh, we're not cutting you short. We can talk all day. But uh, pleasure having you on. Hopefully you'll be on Long Island soon. We'll, we'll be able to hang out. Uh, yep. Thanks for coming on, my man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. That was a lot of fun. Peace out. Take care. All right. Welcome back. Now we are here with the man, Josh Calfin. He works, well, he is on blueseatblogs.com, correct? Yep. Uh, He does a lot of analytics. This guy is the only reason why I knew half the prospects. Literally, the only reason why I knew half the prospects and why I was cheering and hoping that the Rangers would pick half these guys because this dude knows it all. He's great with the analytics. I had to get him on. It's the episode after the draft, so I'm really curious to hear what Josh has to say about not just the Rangers, but which team, in his opinion, you know, had the steals of the draft and whatnot. So before we get into that, Josh also has a public tab. Am I saying tabloo? Ta- yeah, it's Tableau. Tableau. Well, where I don't really if, if for the hockey fans, if you really want to take a look at something awesome, he has these projects of OHL forwards and the NHL draft combine, KHL forwards. You could, you know, relate people and see how people, you know, it's un- you can compare. It's, it's unreal. But uh, enough bantering. Uh, Josh, welcome. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so uh, let's just get started. I started tweeting at you because I'm a Ranger fan, but I like we like I said before with our buddy Terrence, I am no prospect guru. How'd you get into knowing all these prospects and working on the analytics and all that stuff? So I mean, when I was younger, I mean, whenever you play hockey when you're younger, you always want to make the NHL. But then I realized that I'm like 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, <laughs> uh, I don't live in Canada. I live in New York. So chances are I wasn't going to make the NHL. So I started to be more interested in the actual management and analytics section of it. And then my dad actually, by some lucky encounter, actually met an NHL agent. 
and he introduced me. This is when I was around 14 years old. Okay. So he, he started teaching me a few things and I met some prospects and then I started getting more into it and trying to make a little bit of a name for myself in other ways, especially since analytics were not really big at that moment yet. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, I mean, I think it's safe to say that you've made a name for yourself and you're making a bigger name. Now, with all this, are you watching games in Russia? Are you watching games in Sweden and all that stuff? I I watch uh, games in Russia a lot. Um, it's a lot easier because, you know, I'm waiting between classes and s- 7 o'clock to them is like 9 in the morning to us. So, like, on the way to class, I could easily watch games or if it's like a annoying sem- like a class in the semester, I could easily just quickly uh, put on a game on a streaming site. Same goes for Sweden. And uh, for Canadian leagues, yeah, I mean, if there's no Ranger game on, I usually just put up a couple of games that I'm interested in watching certain prospects. How's our boy Shostorkin looking? I love him. I love him. (laughs) That's what I love to hear. I love him. Incredible, man. Just the the, the tough thing about him is that he gets a little bit antsy in net, but we have arguably one of the best goaltending coaches in the world, so I'm not not even worried. Awesome. Pedro, do you have any questions before we really dig deep? I'm ready to get into the Rangers. All right, well, I'm ready. All right, easy, easy guy. All right, I'm you ready. know what? We'll start with the Rangers. So the Rangers made the trade. They traded yeah. Stepan and Ranta to Arizona. Not a lot of people. I, I, I told, I said it before. I'm going to hold all judgment off until the beginning of the season, which I think is fair. Uh, yeah. But we traded Stepan Ranta for the seventh overall and Anthony D'Angelo. I hear D'Angelo has some issues, but he can turn into that guy on the right hand on the right side that we need. I heard that they were going to try to move the seventh, which I was thinking it was going to be in for a move for a Duchesne or you know whoever. But they they kept the pick and they went with Elias Anderson. So I, I'm all aboard the Elias Anderson trade. By the way, once he put out that interview today, how he was saying, "I want to make the team in October. I want to be here." I want to help the Rangers. This is a dream. I'm like, let's go. Anderson's going to notch 50 points. Well, no, 50 goals this season. He's going to be a future Hall of Famer. Let's go. If I'm not mistaken, please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I believe pro, you know, scouts had him ranked in what? Probably like the 21st pick that we that we had the, around that. I'm For the most of the season, he was ranked between 13 and 16. Oh, okay. Some people were saying he was going to drop to 21, depending on what actually happened with the defenseman pick. Right. But, um, I mean, look, in regards to the trade, I was just a little bit upset because I, you know, with the step onto Arizona rumors, I was hoping we'd get at least one of their young centers. Yeah. Some Dvorak or Strom, ideally. But obviously that didn't happen. But, yeah, I mean, my biggest concern, obviously, is that the fact that we might have been able to have him much later in the draft, maybe even with our 21st, 21st pick. Yeah. That that was unlikely, especially after there were reports that L.A. was going to want to draft him at 11. And regarding to moving up, there was the Well, yeah, there was, so they were of, talking to Colorado and, I believe, Dallas. Yeah, so what the Rangers actually wanted, they wanted to draft uh, Cal McCarr, who was drafted by Colorado. That's what's been rumored for the most part. Yeah. Uh, but Lyus Anderson, man, he's a good pick. He, he does everything, like you said. Like you, you heard in the interview, this kid just he, he just has confidence, you know. And he plays a really good game that I think every Rangers fan would actually like to see. 
He does everything right. He has. He also has a sneaky wrist shot. Not a lot of people do it. Uh, talk about it because he's such a more of a puck possession type player. But you're 18 years old. You're a second line center on a championship team. Maybe there's more offense to his game. I mean, I'm excited to keep watching him. We'll see what he does. Maybe he makes the NHL. Yeah. So I was. Do you think he has a chance of potentially making the roster? I think he has a chance, but I'd rather him stay. Okay. Uh, I'd rather him develop his offense. You know, if we bring him in right now, chances are he's going to be no higher than our third-line center. Yeah. And, man, when you draft somebody with a seventh overall pick, as great as he is all around, you really do also hope that he'll be able to chip in a lot more points. You don't want to sort of start breeding him into, like, that 40-point guy like Capitals did with Tom Wilson when they brought him in because he's physical. Now, do you think we... Do you think the Rangers, I say we, uh, do you think the Rangers ended up reaching like many say they did? I think they reached, but at this point, I mean, this draft was not considered a good draft. Mm -hmm. So if you really liked a guy, if you really thought he was going to make the NHL, it might have been worth it. So I came to terms with that. Um, Yeah, I mean, obviously you could have had him much later, but... Look, he looks good. He played pro hockey, and he does have some underlying skill. I mean, I spoke to a lot of these other analytics bloggers who work with prospects, and Lias Anderson compares really favorably to some really quality NHLers. So, like I said, maybe there's just more offense to his game that he just hasn't shown yet simply because he's just being put in a more defensive role. So we'll see. I mean, some people say he might even be able to hit 65 points a season if possible. You know, his shot is that good. His lower body strength is unreal. He he possesses the puck really well. Yeah, we'll see. It's it's pretty cool. I mean, he's arguably one of the best prospects that we've had in a while. Oh, in a long time. Aside from his offense, uh, do you view him as like current Ranger Jesper Foss with his 200-foot game? Um, I think he's a little bit better. Um, a lot of people have compared him to Michael Backlund in Calgary, who is arguably one of the best defensive centers currently in the NHL, and Alex Steen right before he started coming off the cliff because he's now pretty old. Right, yeah. So, like, Alex Steen in this prime, I think, is a pretty good comparison of Lies Anderson. I'll take him. Now, uh, with this, uh, the 21st pick, we picked uh, Philip Keitel. Am I yeah. pronouncing that right? Keitel? I honestly have no idea. I've heard Keitel. I've heard Keitel. <laughs> uh, tell I'll us a little about, about him. Uh, that, that was a really savvy pick. I mean, a lot of people were saying, once again, that the Rangers reached for this guy. Yeah. I I've seen him all over the board from 24th, which would not really be that big of a reach, to what where it would be a reach, like 40. But I think the biggest concern that the Rangers fans had was that Yamamoto was on the board and everybody sort of got hyped up about him. Mm-hmm. But Keitel is a really very similar to Elias Anderson. He's a puck possession player. He uses his body really well, but he also plays in a pro league. So you're 17 years old now. You're playing against these grown men yeah. who are just physically dominating so you have to work out you have to grow into your body pretty well and you have to be smarter and what Keitel does is he knows he's fast he knows he has really quick hands so he's actually learning how to think the game at a higher level and when he plays against the 18 years old 18 year olds in the tournament he dominates it's not even a it's almost no competition especially in a pretty bad check team he might actually end up being one of the steals of the draft he looks really good now I know we're talking about the Rangers right now, but I'm for some reason I'm a big fan of Casey Middlestat. I think, yeah. you know, he's a high school guy, 
just graduated high school. Um, I think he's going to be a great player in this league. Do you think the Rangers should have picked him, or do you think it stopped him because he's such a young guy? You know what? I I honestly thought they were going to draft Casey when our seventh uh, when we were up on the board. Right. You're right. I mean, Casey's definitely considered the more dynamic player. But the more I'm letting the draft seep in, and when we look at the later Rangers picks as well, I think the Rangers came to terms that this might be a really weak draft. So they're they're looking for the guys who might be able to have a higher chance of being a pro and less so as being a superstar. Right. And it looked like they went safe with Lias and went big boom and bust for with Keitel. So, you know, Keitel definitely has a really high ceiling if he just puts it all together. While Elias looks like he's going to be a pretty nice NHL. In the first round, with yeah. all 31 picks, which team do you think had the biggest steal? Outside uh, of, you know, Nico Heischer and uh, Nolan Patrick, obviously. Oh, man. Nashville stole Tolvanen at 30. This guy was supposed to be a top 15 pick. He somehow dropped to 30. He was He's probably one of the greatest shot generators in the USHL in the last 10 years. Wow. And he and because I'm a Rangers fan, I'll definitely continue rubbing it in the faces of all the Penguins fans who traded away the 31st pick to get Reeves. And oh, then, Ryan Reeves, yeah. And then St. Louis drafted Costin. I mean, that's that's just a sick pick. Costin is probably one of the more talented players in the draft, too. There was one player that you kept mentioning on Twitter who just kept falling and falling and falling. I, the name's not coming to me, but I'm sure you'll— Well, was it a Russian name? I think so. Artyom Minulin? Yes. Yeah, I mean, that that was really weird. Um, he's a defenseman who plays in the WHL, so I didn't think there was going to be any Russian factor involved. You know, he's a good two-way defenseman, and he just kept falling. This guy was somebody who was ranked by almost every scout to be a late second-round pick. And he was in, like, the fifth like the- round, right? No, he went undrafted. Oh. So nobody I've asked seems to know why. Like, I mean, we've had guys who were supposed to be drafted in seventh round, drafted in the fourth round, and then we had guys who were supposed to be drafted in the second, not even drafted at all. So this was a really weird draft. I mean, it was expected, but I did not expect people who were in the second round to not go. All right, just- so now we're, we're still going to kind of talk Rangers because there was another guy, uh, La- Lactose. Oh, yeah, Lakatosh. Lakatosh, La- <laughs> I like it. Lakatosh. Uh, can you give us a little more insight on him? He's um, he's the next pest of the Rangers if he makes it. Really? This is a guy who's he has anger problems, but he's known to be like one of the most annoying players in the Czech league. I don't really watch Czech hockey a lot, but I have a lot of friends who actually work with the team that he's a part of. So I quickly message them. I'm like, hey, you know, give me like every little piece of information that I could legally have about him. <laughs> and they said he's the best kept secret in the NHL prospect pool. They said he's super skilled, but he's more like around the net kind of guy. And if you look at all his goals, he scores everything from like five feet out. He like looks for tips. He just bangs everything home. He he just does not care. He likes to get into the face of the opponents. He sometimes goes a little bit too far. He might take some little bit of diving penalties because he's trying to draw penalties. He's he's just one of the biggest pests in the league. And he went from the fourth line all the way to the first line by the end of the season. And ended up being almost a point per game in the playoffs. Yeah. So with that, there was a few that the Rangers picked that like really did well in the playoffs. Yeah. Was that also Verda? 
yeah, Verda did extremely well. He was a point per game, six points in six games in the Finnish Elite League. So, yeah, I mean, it looks like they put a lot of stress in the playoffs, but I don't think it was necessarily, oh, okay, they're playoff performers. I think it's just, hey, these kids are young. And by the end of the season, as they got older, they seemed to grow more into who they really are as players, and they just exploded. I looked at all the trend tools that I have on my Tableau profile, and every single one of the players that the Rangers drafted got better as the year went along. So they were looking for risers and perhaps more pro-ready kind of guys. And now two names that stand out to me. I think because of you, uh, Timothy Lidgren. Yeah, Lidgren. That uh, the Maple Leafs end up stealing. Yeah. And Elias uh, Peterson, who, because I think it was you, I I tweeted out, I was like, I I don't know who it was, but it was you or either AJ. Someone wanted, someone wanted, uh, Peterson and I tweeted oh hope the Rangers get Peterson and then the Canucks take him that they were going to take Patterson at five but I just didn't believe it because I didn't think they were smart enough but man Elias Patterson at a sixth season he he might arguably be one of the better players drafted in the in this entire draft what do you think about Cody his Glass? season is just I like him I mean I you know you watch him play and it's hard to hate him he does everything you know he reminds me of um, uh, Mark Shifley of Winnipeg. It's not bad. Yeah, I mean, he's, he just does everything. You want him to score from the slot, he'll score from the slot. You want him to stay in front of the net on the power play, he'll do that. He's just he's just a good player, honestly. Yeah, I have no complaints. This kid's going to be good. Now, I realize the Rangers had seven picks in this year's draft, and they drafted five centermen and two defensemen. Yeah. Now, do you find that... Interesting that the Rangers drafted five centermen and they didn't go with like a left wing or a right wing or even a goaltender in this draft. I mean, they've been drafting goaltenders every draft for the last like four years or so. So I wasn't surprised that they didn't pick a goalie. But the last few centers, Lakatosh, uh, Verda, they could play wing and a lot of the times they do play wing. But I think you have a good point here that the Rangers definitely saw that center and defense is the biggest problem on the team. Mm-hmm especially in the prospect pool. So, I mean, they added a bunch of defensemen through free agency. We have Pionk, we have uh, Pedri, we have, um, you know, even last year we got Gilmore and then we signed Barrett Glazov this year. That's how you pronounce it. I was just about to say, how do you pronounce it? What is it? Barrett Glazov. Barrett Glazov. That's why they call him Bear whatever. I can't wait to see Sam Rosen pronounce that bad boy. (laughs) (laughs) Rosen's going to butcher it, but he's a good player. I, you know, really reliable kind of guy better on this bottom pair but nice and reliable won't do anything wrong he's cool now he has the khl out clause right yeah so i'm pretty much almost he's, gonna, he's pretty much on the opening night roster i'm i'm pretty sure he's at least the seventh defenseman unless he really messes up in the training camp now do you see this is a little out of the prospect pool but uh you know the guy you just mentioned the russian defenseman and uh neil point i think i'm pronouncing that right um Apparently, he's a stud, too, coming out of college. And uh, do you see that stopping the Rangers from going after a guy like Shattenkirk? I mean, it's an interesting point. I mean, we especially now since we're starting to hear all these rumors that Rangers may not actually be as interested in Shattenkirk as a lot of people were sort of believing they would be. Right. But I don't know. I, I think that's just like a little bit of a media ploy that the Rangers are trying to do to try to get a discount from Shattenkirk because... 
when we when we were about to trade Stepan, every rumor was pointing that Rangers are not going to trade Stepan unless they get a top pair defenseman, right? I'm pretty sure that's yep. what it, uh, yeah. it was. Yeah. I mean, and look, D'Angelo is a really talented prospect, but there's no way he's going to step in right with McDonough. Pionk is a really talented prospect, but Shea needed a year. I yeah. can't imagine Pionk, who's a year younger and probably worse defensively, wouldn't need at least six months in the AHL. Better Glazov is more of a bottom pair kind of guy. I I honestly, I don't buy any of the news that the Rangers might not be as interested in Shattenkirk as they're saying they will be. I mean, I, I'm, we had a talk with Woj, Brian, uh, Brian oh. Woj. So he was on our podcast two weeks ago, and he doesn't think Shattenkirk's coming to the Rangers. Pedro doesn't I, think uh, Shattenkirk's coming. I do. I fully am on board. I I July first, Shattenkirk's coming to the Rangers. You know, when you have a team, when you have multiple teams that could be interested in the guy, and I don't know if he's yes, he'll probably take a discount to come to the Rangers. But to me, it's all about term with him, and I yeah. don't think the Rangers are going to offer him an eight-year deal with what he's looking for. I mean, the thing with the term is. I don't want to advocate it because it's obviously cap circumvention. But by the time the lockout comes around and we get compliance buyouts, the Rangers would have, their window would probably have ended. Shostorkin would have come along. So Rangers are now probably almost in the middle of a rebuild. I'm not saying that it's a plan that the Rangers should have, but you know, you use a compliance buyout and suddenly it's more of a three year deal and Shattenkirk still gets paid at the end of the day. Yeah. And it just, I mean, I see your, I see what you're saying. The term is obviously the problem. It's, you know, I don't think there's been a single good contract that's been a seven-year deal. Like, if you look at any of oh, the this recent... this TJ Oshie deal is going to be horrendous. Horrible. 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 Like, he's a great player. I mean, I like the guy, but, damn, like, eight-year deal, that's insane. Horrendous. So, yes. I mean, I see the concerns. But, I don't know, I mean... Unless the Rangers have a little bit of something, you know, up their sleeve, I, what are they going to do with the twenty-three million dollars? Yeah, I, I can't imagine anything right now except that. So, I also heard that they might just start taking on, you know, those bad contracts, gaining prospects. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, it's weird because that's not really a thing you would imagine from a New York team, but. I mean, look, you, you sign all your guys, right? Let's say they sign Zibanejad. Let's say they sign Brennan Smith. All of a sudden, you know, you're starting to fill up the team. Maybe you'll sign somebody like Benino to be our third-line center. Elias Anderson comes in. You'll still have, like, 15 or so million left in the salary cap. Which is so, weird yeah, for the Rangers. Really weird. So, yeah, if you want to take on, like, a bad expiring contract to help another team, but you also take their best prospect or picks in next year's draft, which is going to be absolutely unreal— yeah, sure. I don't care. I mean, if that's the plan that they're trying to do, whatever. I mean, at least, but just say it, you know, like you don't want to trick fans into thinking that this is going to be a competitive year. Yeah. And then. So now yeah. you just brought up next year's draft. Now, I know pretty much there's like a top two or three this year. How many of next year's players can you see going top three? Like, is there, what's the, what's the drop off? The drop-off is significant, but the number five guys in that in next year's draft would arguably be, like, top two or top three in this draft. Really? Really. So, like, the top two guys in next year's draft are Sveshnikov, who is the brother of the Detroit Red Wings prospect, yeah. 
who's absolutely unreal. And then there's uh, Rasmus Dahlin, who's in Sweden, and he's a 16-year-old defenseman who's just absolutely dominating. Just He's like the number one defenseman in Sweden right now at 16 years old. 16. <laughs> these, these, these kids are absolutely unreal. And it's weird now saying kids now that I'm officially older than anybody who's going to be drafted. Been there. It sucks. You know, like, that's it. It's all downhill from here. But, uh, yo, these kids are absolutely insane. So, uh, continue. Yeah, I mean, like, and then you look at, like, the next top ten picks. They're also really, really good. Like, all probably future, you know, top three defensemen or top six forwards. Like, you really can't go wrong with a lot of them. It's it's sick. It's arguably, like, the 2003 trap. Wow. Now, I can't go without asking. What do you think of Nico Heischer? I like him. I, I do. Um, I liked him better than Patrick. I think Patrick was a big, you know, his injury concerns were a problem, right. especially if you're the Devils who need a dynamic forward. And Heischer, you know, a lot of people are not going to talk about his defensive prowess, but he's pretty, he's pretty damn good defensively too. He's, you know, whenever they're doing drills in the junior hockey, he always asks, all right, coach, let me sort of, play it in the role of a defenseman just in case I'm a forward back. So he's obviously willing to learn, but he's look, he's a sick player. But if you're looking at the analytics and I mean, this sounds like a little bit like a Homer, you know, type comment, but there's a blogger um, in like the Vancouver Canucks community. Um, he made this thing called seal adjustment scoring, which is essentially comparing different leagues and different ages altogether. So, like, it's really hard to compare Casey Middlestat, like you were mentioning, to Lias Anderson because they're playing in different leagues, right? And Lias Anderson is closer to 18 years old while Middlestat is more closer to, like, 17 years old, you know? Like, there's yeah. the difference is significant. So what this seal-adjusted scoring does is pretty much, okay, like, let's make everything almost, um, you know, as a baseline. So you factor in the different ages, you factor in the different leagues, and all of a sudden, Lias Anderson is the 11th highest scoring prospect in the entire NHL. Wow. And surprisingly enough, Dominic Lakatos, yeah. a sixth-round pick, is actually eighth in the entire NHL. So He's, he's turning into my, my new favorite yeah. guy, Lakatos. I'm, I'm rooting for him, man. He's, he's, he's different, too. Apparently, I, I don't know how true this is, but I also heard he's a gypsy. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be this is gonna be sick. So now, I'm, with the Rangers, they drafted a lot of overagers, which I think you brought into you know aspect. It, it was weird how many overagers they drafted. I mean, like I I've looked at like the last few drafts by the Rangers just because I was trying to like truly understand what are they going to do, and they always draft at least one overager. And that one overager is always like a defensive forward where they're trying to like really groom into the fourth line role. And then they drafted Lakato, Shiverta, and um, Crawley, three overagers. That's almost unprecedented. Now, for but, the listeners that don't know what overagers mean, I believe it's 20 and older or 21. Um, pretty much overagers is like uh, if you weren't drafted – in your actual draft year. So you could either be 19, 20, and in rare cases, like Verda, 21. But you could only be 21 if you only played in, like, Europe your entire life. Interesting. See? Learning so, something new yeah. every day. Yeah. All right. So off the Rangers, let's 
we talk way too much Rangers. We we try not to. We go on rants, and it's just what happens. So, in your perspective, can you do you have a like top five teams that like just blew the draft out of the water? Um, Vancouver did really well, especially relative to how they usually do over the last fifteen years. Okay. They they did awesome. They added you know obviously potential number one center, potential number one goalie, some really good defensemen. Great wingers. They did awesome. Uh, it hurts for me to say it, but the New Jersey Devils did really well. Um, they didn't really add a lot defensively, but they bolstered their offense pretty well. And it sucks. I really don't want to admit it. I hear uh, the, the Knights. The Golden Knights. They did. Sick draft. Absolutely sick. Definitely ranked number three for me. Uh, Nashville did awesome once again. And they have... Their GM has the ability to just find these really good depth guys really late in the draft. I mean, they already have the best defensive lineup in the entire NHL, but they also arguably have the best defensive prospect pool right near Philly. Really? It's, yeah, they, their prospect pool is sick. Like, as soon as they decide to trade one of their guys, they definitely have two or three guys who could easily step in. Um, another team that I think did pretty well, Dallas. Dallas did pretty well. Um, yeah, Dallas is pretty well. What do you think about the Avalanche with Makar? Okay. I mean, was that the big one? Makar is the big one, but they got a few other steals too, and I, I really liked it. I mean, they got Makar, right? And then they got arguably another first-round talent, Connor Timmins, right at the beginning of the second round. So these are two really good right-handed puck-moving defensemen. Um, I personally think that it's awesome to start building around these kind of guys, but from experience... I think one of them is going to end up getting traded somewhere down the line. For some reason, teams don't like multiple puck-moving power play defensemen. I don't know why, but that's just going to be how it is. But they also got a few other really nice steals, too. I mean, they drafted Denis Smirnov really late, and I like in the middle of the draft. And this is a kid who's, who was supposed to get drafted last year. Um, for some reason, he didn't argue. Maybe people are saying size. Maybe there was just not enough exposure. And then he ended up blowing the entire freshman NCAA class point-wise out of the water. Huh. So he was sick. So the Colorado really dropped, jumped on him. They got a really nice winger and Nick Henry in the fourth round. So, yeah, they. I'm sorry, not Smirnov. They got Igor Shvirev. Yeah, my bad. Sorry oh, no. For, <laughs> you just missed up two names that I can't even pronounce, so it's okay. They got both, Shvirev and Smirnov. Sorry, yeah. So, they had a really nice draft. Um, Pittsburgh, I didn't like their first pick. I don't think Lausanne is going to be great enough to be to be warranted as your first pick in the draft. But they did pretty well later as well. Um, I think Detroit really... I think Detroit sucked in this draft. I think they were pretty horrible, to be honest. But yeah, other than that, nothing. Oh, Montreal did pretty well too, but nothing other than that really comes to mind. Yeah. yeah. Um, Nico Heischer and Nolan Patrick. Yeah. If you had to take those two players and say they were draft eligible in 2016, would they be picked, let's say, in, in the top five? Yeah, for sure. I think they'd be picked top three, top four. Honestly. I like them better than the Columbus Blue Jackets third overall pick, Dubois. I, bo I like them both better. What yeah. about in 2015? 
when you had Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel. Hmm. That's that's a little bit different. <laughs> it's a little different. Definitely top ten though. Yeah, yeah, definitely top ten. I mean, honestly, you're looking back at the draft now, and even Wierenski, Wierenski would probably now yeah. go third yeah. overall in that draft. Right. So, yeah. Right. Now, we just did, you know, the teams that really did well in the draft. Give me some teams that absolutely shit the bed. Yeah, like I mentioned, Detroit, horrible. Horrible. Um, I know for a fact, I have a friend who's pretty close with, like, some members of the Detroit organization. They really wanted Middlestat, but he was taken right before them. And then they drafted Rasmussen, who I personally don't think will end up being a really good NHLer. And the reason for that is um, he seems to be like a more of a power play merchant type guy. Uh, you're looking at the stats and you're like, oh, wow, you know, his stat line is pretty good. He's over a point per game. That's awesome. But then you look at the fact that he doesn't really have that many points at even strength. And almost none of them are primary points. And as we know, like, majority of the uh, NHL games and really any games in general will be at 5v5, right? So if you're putting up a bunch of points on the power play and that's sort of how you're making most of your living, I don't really see how you'll be able to succeed in the NHL level. Also, when I watched him play, a lot of rushes died on his stick. He doesn't really control the puck really well while skating at full speed. So I didn't like that. Um, But other than their third-round pick, who's a really good goalie, Keith Petruzzelli, I didn't really like any of their other picks. I think they reached a lot. What about the Capitals? I mean, they really didn't have a pick until the fourth round. And by that time, I thought they were going to go a little bit um, boom or bust. But they drafted like some of those like really like big type bodies that they're like, okay, let's really hope they'll end up being like bottom six NHLers. Like a Tom Wilson. Yeah, yeah, more like um, more like those like Steve Oleski, John Erskine types on defense, and more like. You know, they tried to get the next Dominic Moore on offense. You know, like fourth line, you know, third line tops kind of players, at least in my opinion, just from really quick looking at it in my head. As you mentioned before, you know, you watch games over the seas. Um, how hard is it, do you think, for these players to to come from such a big ice surface that we see in the KHL to translating their game into the National Hockey League. We know, I, I, me personally, I don't watch, you know, KHL games as much as you do, but I think the NHL is faster. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the speed is there. Um, I think puck management is obviously a big uh, thing now in the NHL. How hard is it for those players to come from Russia, come from Sweden? Uh, we saw a lot of Finnish players in the first round this year. How hard is it for those players to translate their game from such a big ice surface overseas to the NHL? I mean, I think it depends on the type of player that you are. Um, for example, I've been told, and I personally believe that uh, the Rangers' new signee, Baraglazov, I think he'll do fine if uh, in the smaller ice surface because his game as a defensive defenseman is trying to close off gaps. Right. And in KHL, he was beaten a lot by those really small, fast guys who have a lot of room. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, the ice is smaller. Game is actually going towards you as opposed to letting it, you know, sort of cycle a little bit in the in the European hockey because it's so much more space. Right. I think he'll personally succeed a lot better. Uh, on the flip side, a really good prospect who the Islanders drafted last year, Anatoly Gal- uh, Galishev, who really like just completely blew the KHL out of the water. All of a sudden, he just exploded as one of the top players. So people were wondering, hey, is this kid going to get drafted? And I spoke to a guy who's a really big Russian agent, 
And I asked him, like, what's your opinion on him? Should he even be signed? Um, and he said, look, he's really great in the KHL, but I don't think his style will even come close to translating to the NHL. Interesting. So I think it really depends on your style. So if you're like a, re- if you're like the kind of guy who really needs that little bit of extra space so you could get that little stride just to beat the defenseman, I think you might have a tr- uh, you might have problems. But if you're the kind of guy who needs to, you know, just close off ice time, or you're just trying to make most of your living like around the net in the slot, I think that'll be fine. So the guys that the Rangers drafted, the European guys, they make most of their, you know, living in those areas where I don't think it'll matter if they're coming to America. So before I forget, because I was just on with my buddy Terrence, he's a big Islander fan. I I did tell him that I was going to ask you Sebastian Ajo. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I told you. I told him he, that was a steal. I, you, you don't understand how angry I was. Because the Rangers drafted Crawley. And I, I, I'm starting to read and I'm starting to understand why they did it. I mean, I didn't like the pick. And then the Islanders drafted Sebastian Ajo. And I hated the pick. Yeah. Because, honestly, I think he can play in the NHL right now. Terrence, I, there you go. There's your there's your answer, Terrence. It, he just does everything well. He's not going to be like you know one of those like top pair defensemen, but he's going to be the kind of guy who will just put up points when needed, and you won't really see him do anything wrong. I mean, the problem with him might arguably be like, hey, could he handle the physical battles? And honestly, that's a really legitimate concern because once again, you know, he was on the bigger ice, mm-hmm. so he didn't have to go into that many board battles. But I think the Islanders plan on putting him to the AHL right away, which once again, honestly, brilliant job by them because I was wondering, hey, is this kid going to get signed? And then the Islanders drafted him pretty much controlling his rights for the next six years. Yeah, that was yep. sick. They did, the same thing. they did the same thing with that Golishev guy last year. So it seems to be a little thing that the Islanders are going to start doing every year now. now they, did, they did the same thing with Sorokin, actually. So Just I'm about sorry. to ask. Sorokin or Shostorkin, who's actually better? Sorokin is calmer and more, uh, he's fine-tuned. So at the moment, he's arguably better, but Shostorkin has the more, uh, people say, more talented prospect. I'll take so, it. Honestly, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are better than Lundqvist, and I love Hank, but puck handling is not his uh, forte, but... Yeah, Shostorkin scored like two goals in junior hockey, so he doesn't mind. <laughs> and um, then, so another team that is coming to mind right now, I think is because of you or AJ or someone else that knows these prospects in depth, the Sharks. Apparently the Sharks drafted pretty well towards the end of the draft. Yeah, yeah, they, they, go, for, um, they go for those OHL droppers. I mean, I have, a, I have a warm place in my heart for the Sharks because they drafted one of my hometown uh, friends, Kevin LeBanc. You know, played against them a couple times. So I'm like, okay, they know what they're doing in the seventh round. <laughs> yeah, they they go for those like really talented droppers who might just have attitude problems or might people might think are products of their team. Yeah, they go for them and yeah, they did really well. <sighs> like it seems to be a thing that they're starting to do now. I I think they hired a new scout around twenty twelve and they're just doing it year after year. They're getting multiple like late round picks taking these like talented droppers always on offense and that's it they call it a day do you think teams 
this question might come out a little weird, but do you think teams, let's say like the Rangers, who for some reason to me, I think they love to draft players from overseas. And mm-hmm. I think they really focus on players that come from, you know, Europe. Do you think teams like San Jose, do you think their scouts focus a lot in like Canadian prospects and not much overseas like the Rangers? I mean, it's it's weird. I think for the most part, um, the way it goes, I mean, I, I haven't worked for an NHL team, so I don't really know exactly how it goes. But get there. You, you send your guys across different countries. They come back with their lists. And then, like, the head guy, after they combine their list, really makes the final say. Maybe their head guy prefers the Canadian prospects over the European ones. But at the same time, San Jose has been a pretty big player in the European free agent market. So, I don't know, man. I think maybe they just rated those guys a lot higher. Maybe they're like, okay, these guys are, like, our third or fourth round choice. And then they ended up falling to six. So, they're like, okay, we're going to take them. We're going to trade up to take them. I think that's more of what it is. I mean, there are some teams that seem to scout other leagues more than others. For example, Washington, I think, keeps drafting Swiss players. I don't know many teams that draft that many Swiss players as Washington does. At the same time, the Rangers haven't really drafted a Czech guy in God knows how long. And now they drafted two. Plus, they seem to be looking into bringing in one of the Czech coaches to be somewhere in the organization. So at the same Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, so Philip Pisson, he's a one of the arguably one of the smartest coaches outside the NHL. A lot of people like him because he does a lot. He combines analytics and what actually happens on the ice, and he's taken his teams to championships and the finals. He hasn't really had an unsuccessful year, so people are like, "Oh wow, this guy already knows what he's doing," and he's only 38 years old. And then two months after the Rangers were linked to him, they draft. Keitel and they draft Lakatos and Lakatos is actually one of his personal projects. Like he was the re that uh, Philip Hassan was the reason why Lakatos actually started to develop as a player. Now, is this in the near future with he's apparently, according to my friend who works in the Czech league, Philip Hassan has been brought over by the Rangers to help coach their development camp right now. But he's also, the U20 Czech league coach. So he's going to be coaching in the world juniors, I believe. But it makes me wonder if the Rangers don't plan on bringing him over relatively soon. I mean, you're bringing some outside source to coach your development league. You draft one of his projects. It honestly seems like it's only a matter of time. All right. I'll take that. Something to look at. Now with actually back to Rangers, just because my brain is all about the Rangers. I saw the player developmental camp roster. What happened to uh, Kacho? Yes, the the Russian that was supposed to come over, and all of a sudden his name was nowhere to be found. Russian Zook. Yeah, the, sure, I'll take it. Um, apparently he has visa problems. It's nothing major. So but will he be over? Or? I don't think so. I don't think he can. Uh, if there's visa, by the time it gets sorted out, the I mean the prospect camp's only like five days long. I think by the time it gets sorted out, he won't be able to. At the end of the day, it's not the biggest problem because unless the Rangers were to help him illegally buy out his contract in the KHL, he wasn't going to do it. But he apparently bought out his contract for the purpose of restructuring it because you could do that in the KHL. He might just get um, a lot more money. I, 
I don't, there haven't been terms announced yet. Hopefully it's not multiple years because he'd be a good ad. He's a guy who almost made the Edmonton Oilers a few years ago. So My mind is blown. Uh, it's just it's crazy how much you know about these prospects. Uh, so God bless you. Thank you for coming on our show. We'll be Thanks. in touch. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Thanks. All right, sweet. Yeah. All right, guys. So you just heard Josh Califin. Go check him out. He's blueseatblogs.com. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter. I think it's Josh underscore Califin, right? Yeah. And he, he's, he is, though, he is private. So you do have to get that yeah, nod of approval. Just for just for a little bit. School, you know, school duties are calling. So I got to lock it down for a little bit. <laughs> well, I'm glad I was accepted. But, uh, hey, Josh, pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Have a good one, my man. Thanks. Welcome back. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed those two interviews. It was a, it was our pleasure. We, I, Absolutely. I thought it was, you know, Terrence with the Islander knowledge. We usually don't talk a lot of Islanders. Well, we do. We try to, but we talk a lot of Rangers. Great to have him on. Josh, mind, mind blown with all the knowledge that he has for, you know, all these prospects. And I'm looking forward to next year's draft. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, you, you heard Josh talk about a couple of players who could go top five, and uh, you know, we'll see how it pans out. But it's going to be an interesting. It's going to be interesting. So, next week we have well, on Saturday we have free agency opening up. So, I'm expecting a lot of a lot of moves. Obviously, I want. Yeah. I'm curious to see where Thornton's going to go, where Marlowe's going to go. Where all these names are going to go? The big fish, Kevin Shattenkirk. Shattenkirk. Where's Where's Ganya going to go? So uh, Benino, we've mentioned him today on the podcast. Benino, Benino. So I'm I'm definitely interested in seeing where all these players are going to land. Uh, hopefully, some of them. Well, I'm assuming that a good portion of moves will happen Saturday, Sunday. We'll record, and so hopefully we will have some signings to announce next week. Uh, so we. A main focal point on next week's episode will be the free agent uh, free agent signings, and we'll figure out some other stuff to talk about. Uh, we might have a special guest on another special guest. We won't mention who he is, but uh, he kind of blew up a little bit during the playoffs. I want to say just a little. I mean, he was on TSN, so I don't think that's a uh, yeah. He you know, you know so uh, hey hey let's not let's not name drop. Let's right, might have him on next week. Not sure yet. We gotta you know finalize the plans with him but we hope you guys enjoyed this episode we really did it was thank you shout outs again to terrence and josh yep. uh until next week we'll see you later guys peace people thanks so much for listening to this episode of the drop the puck podcast with your hosts justin star and pedro rodriguez on facebook and twitter at drop the puck pod we'll catch you next time nhl fans on the drop the puck podcast